you. Amen. Take your Bibles, take your Bibles, and I trust you have them with you. Turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Let me uh, bring you up to date uh, on where we have been over the last few weeks in our morning uh, message, okay? Uh, a few weeks back, we looked in the book of Ezra. And in the book of Ezra, what we saw was a uh, decree from the uh, uh, authority at that time, Cyrus, their king of Persia. And Cyrus said, uh, because of my decree, you, all of you Jews, who would like to go back to Jerusalem, uh, you have permission. You would uh, go back, rebuild the temple, and because of that, those who remain here uh, as an act of their own will, likewise, uh, will be part of the provisions for your trip. They will give uh, uh, of what they have, and they will do that willingly. And uh, we discover that that is what happened. Well, not only did we uh, see that, but also uh, we would look in chapter 2 and 3 and see that they would likewise uh, begin the building of the temple. And if you study all of the... Uh, minor prophets in the Old Testament, you would discover that not only did they start the temple, but they likewise got sidetracked in the middle of that, and it would take them almost 20 years to finish that construction project. Well, in James chapter 5, last week we looked at Acts chapter 12, and in the midst of that, what we saw was the early church, uh, what I consider at their best, and they were praying and matter-of-factly, they got exactly what they prayed for. And in many ways, uh, we see today that we can likewise uh, have those things uh, that we ask for according to the will of God. Now, I'm challenging you today that we would make these days of prayer, okay? The Lord said we're meeting in a house of prayer, so I think it would be grand uh, if likewise we would uh, consider uh, making uh, not only this a place of prayer, but praying in the process. James chapter 5, verse 15. The font is rather small uh, this morning on this slide, so uh, you have your Bibles open. I trust you'll read it there as well. It says, The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins... Uh, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now there's two underlined things in those couple of verses, okay? First of all, what you see there, I underline in verse 15, is the prayer of faith. We will Come back and talk about that in just a moment. The second part comes out of verse 16, and it is a uh, sentence that says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now with that in mind, uh, I have saw or heard or I've had people pass uh, these verses along to me over the course of the last few weeks. I've saw them numerous times. And you say, well, uh, what is the Lord trying to get us to see from that? Well, I think the Lord is trying to maybe cause us to see what I would consider some points to effective prayer. 
Now, most of us like points, do we not? One, two, three, four, conclusion, we go home, we do that, and we see results. Well, in this passage, it tells us uh, of a man, and his name was Elijah. And as you study chapter 5 of, uh, of James, uh, you will see that it talks about Elijah's prayer life. Elijah prayed that it would not rain. It didn't rain for three and a half years. Likewise, you see that he prayed, Lord, would you send rain? It rained again. So what we discover from that is we have an illustration of how these verses will work if we will practice what the Lord gives us there to see. So some points to effective prayer. I remind you again, I'm going to read the verses out of Ezra chapter 3. It says in verse 1, And when the seventh month was come, the children of Israel were in the cities. The people gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. Then stood up Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and his brethren, the priests, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and his brethren, and builded the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Notice that phrase again. Builded the altar. Builded the altar. Not necessarily taking just a one by twelve board and taking maybe two stobs or sticks and erecting just a small place that we would call the altar. We don't have any specifics about that here. We do in the Old Testament go back to where the Lord would give Moses uh, some more specific uh, dimensions of the altar. However, the altar is not limited to just be built there in a particular place. Here it is, but it is also a place uh, in which you and I would recognize prayerfully a place that we will meet God ourselves. So the returning Jews built the altar. There's a sequence of chapters in the book of Genesis, if you're familiar with it. I've I, I just thought of it off my, off my cuff spontaneously, so I can't give you the exact chapters. It's somewhere in the, about chapter 22 or so, and it tells us of a time in the spiritual history there, in the book of beginnings, in which there had been many wells that had been dug, if you remember. And it says there that uh, uh, there would be a time that the enemy had filled the wells up. And, and then uh, the God's people would go back and they would redig the wells. Uh, why? Because wells and water was something uh, that was uh, of the livelihood of all people. Well, I believe the altar could be that place as well. And we discover that Abraham was a man who had an altar. And because of that, we find that and recognize that his sons became sons likewise of the altar. So the returning Jews built the altar, but then the early church used the altar. Last week in chapter 12 of the book of Acts, we saw there in verse number 5, it said, Peter was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Some would call my hand to that and say, Pastor, it doesn't specifically say 
that there is an altar. Well, friend, I'm glad you caught up with that, okay? That doesn't necessarily keep us from understanding that what goes on at the altar, a place of intercession, a place of sacrifice, is happening here in the home of this lady that we discover had opened her house there, the house of Mary, the mother of John. Acts 12, verse 11 and 12 tells us that Peter is loose because of their prayer. He goes to the house of Mary. Uh, He presents himself. And yes, uh, after believing, they become ecstatic that their prayer had been answered. And the word there was, Increase greatly. Why? Because God visited their prayer life and their prayer time. Now in, uh, now in James chapter 5, there's going to be about two or three quick things, okay? I mentioned to you the prayer of faith. Well, yes, we'll see that in a moment. Also, it says the prayer of a righteous man. We're going to see that in a moment. And then it talks uh, in the latter part there about prevailing uh, in prayer as well. Let's look first of all at praying in uprightness, okay? The effectual prayer of fervent or the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, first of all, let's uh, really establish something here. If you are a righteous person, you don't have to say to others, look at me. If you are a righteous person, you don't have to end your prayer by saying, now, Lord, you tell me you'll hear the prayer of righteous people. Why would I say you don't have to? Well, number one, uh, God is not uh, putting us on parade in front of everybody else. Yes, I believe our light should shine before others that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. But as we think about being righteous, we're not wanting to be like the Pharisees uh, who love to announce their presence. Uh, They wanted people to know that they were elite. They were of a group of people who were outwardly polished. Outwardly, they were doing the things uh, rightly that should be done, but they were doing them to be seen. Jesus said, Be not like the Pharisees who fast, who pray, uh, who love to be on the street corners. But now the Lord is telling us through James, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, I discovered in one of the commentaries uh, this uh, phrase, righteousness in this instance is referring to a standard of life that reflects a commitment to God and His Word and will. In other words, God has respect to the prayers of the holy. If we are determined to be effective in prayer, then we must get our lives in line with God in in line with God and His will for our lives. On the very bottom of that, there you see uh, uh, Psalm 66, 18. I don't know how I got PSA there, but that's just too many fingers on on the typewriter, okay, or on the computer. Psalm 66, 18 said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now, one of the opposites of righteousness is what? Sin, is it not? 
And as a result of that, we discover here that he is saying that if we're withholding or if we're holding or if we're maintaining a sinful attitude or a sinful life or a sinful mentality, that will be a disqualifier immediately of the Lord hearing us. John 15 and 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Many of you possibly now are reaping uh, some harvest of some vine maybe. You're picking grapes. Why? Because uh, the analogy of John uh, chapter 15 is uh, being applied. Abiding in the vine. You know, that's the same thing he says about believers. That we are to stay with him, abiding in him, if there is to be any uh, fruit that is to come from that. 1 John 3.22 says, Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Uh, now, now think with me just a moment. None of us are saved because we do those things. Now, we may do those things as a result of our being saved, right? Yes, we would hope that we're living righteously. If you would take that in a shorter form, we are living rightly. According to the Word of God, uh, Likewise, the will of God, and because of that, uh, we are praying there from a righteous position, not necessarily uh, just simply a righteous practice. Now, I want to read Psalm 66 uh, in its uh, context. Uh, I read a portion of that earlier. He said, I cried unto him with my mouth. He was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. You and I usually get excited when we see something that works, do we not? Maybe it's a cook and she gets a new recipe and, and mixes all the ingredients together. And once that comes out of the oven, she is excited, especially after the taste test, that it has uh, did exactly once followed the, the recipe or the formula, it has come out properly. Well, I think the psalmist gives me something here that he says, Once I have practiced that right living, I did not regard iniquity in my heart. He said, The Lord heard me. Friend, that's exciting, isn't it? You know, uh, sometimes with my cell phone, yes, I do have one. Yes, I can hardly hear from it sometimes. And and yes, some people have hung up on me thinking I'm not there. Uh, but the reality is still the same. Do we hear or do we not hear? The Lord hears us when we pray to Him out of right living. Now friend, again, let me just uh, reemphasize something. If you are living rightly or living righteously, you will not have to build you a platform and stand upon it to highlight yourself. But I pray that our lives being lived rightly or righteously 
will be a platform in which God is glorified. We don't have to study the life of the one that we find in James chapter 5, the one of Elijah, very far to understand that Elijah was a man of God, was he not? Now, yes, he had his moments. If you've been in some small group Bible studies through this quarter, you realize that Elijah would have his moments, as I said earlier. And as a result of that, he would get downhearted and... And we would wonder, why would, Lord, why would the Lord listen to him? But praise be unto God that God loves us in spite of us when we have surrendered our lives to him. James chapter 5 tells us not only to pray in uprightness, but he says pray in faith. Now, I'm not going to read all of these verses to you, but verses 12 to 20, you can read that, but I'm going to reach down to verse 15 when he says, And the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. Now, it seems, and I struggle with this just a little bit, about whether I put this first in the outline of three things, uh, like praying rightly, uh, would we not put this confession mentality there? Well, I concluded that because of the way the Lord has given us, that I wanted to leave it here, the prayer of faith. Three things I thought about faith. Number one, pray for results. Usually we're not just praying just to get rid of some hot air, hopefully, okay? Now... Pray for results. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. Pray for results. Secondly, pray for God's glory. You know, I'm not praying that others may count how many of my prayers got answered. You can tell me if you would like that, Pastor, last week I was praying for. You can tell me what you were praying for. I will get overly excited if you tell me God heard those. I believe it's all right to share that we're praying there for results, but praying for God's glory and not necessarily mine, okay? Yes, the one, is pray, the one who is praying uh, gets uh, a lot of joy from knowing the Lord hears. But also pray for results in God's glory, but pray for others' good. I know some of you, over the last weeks, months, years, that you've been saved, what you've been doing is you've been exercising a prayer life. Not again, simply because the Lord just says pray, pray without ceasing. You're doing that because you know there is someone that you are lifting up before the Lord. You remember the lame man in Mark chapter 2? It took four guys to get him up to the worship center in Capernaum and they got to the top and the building is full and they let him down through the roof. Boy, they began to exercise faith, did they not? Would we pray with that same faith? He said, the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord will raise the sick up, 
And if that one has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Do you realize the Lord uh, is showing us something there through James uh, that we're not just praying uh, for someone to have food in their cabinet, although I don't diminish that. We're not just praying that someone would be brought up from the uh, bed of sickness, although we know we're praying for that. But he said there's a spiritual dimension here that will take place uh, when we're praying uh, there rightly, praying in faith. Uh, he said that lives will be changed uh, eternally there because their sins will be forgiven. Now there's a condition in all of this and sometimes uh, uh, many statements the Lord gives us are conditional. Now the condition of this is that you confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. In the biblical illustrator, I don't believe I had room to put it on a slide, but in the biblical illustrator, the term fault in Scripture is frequently employed as synonymous with sin. A fault. Now notice. He said, if you confess your faults to one another. Now, faults. In the biblical illustrator, there were five things. I'll give them to you real quickly. Faults are often stepping stones to heinous sins. They go before and prepare the way. They tend to dull moral sensibility. Faults there. Uh, I gave you the long version. Second, faults unwatched tend to run together and so to become more potent than, in, than they are in detail. Number three, faults uh, prevent true growth in life. You know, again, let me stop just a second. We're diminishing sometimes it from being what I call a sin or a transgression or like David con confessed in Psalm 51, an iniquity, we just say, oh, I've got this fault. I've got this shortcoming. Well, if we treat them that way, they will grow larger. Faults propagate themselves silently and secretly and even dangerously, the biblical illustrator said. And fifth, faults are great wasters uh, of happiness. They are source of... Uh, of frets. Well, those are not original with me, okay? None of those. All of that section I give you right there comes from the biblical illustrator, a set of commentaries uh, that is available to anybody. Matter of fact, you can find them freely uh, on the internet. But I love uh, how it was presented. Praying in faith. Praying in faith. Again, pray for results. Pray for God's glory. Pray for others' good. Do you know anybody that needs to be prayed for today? Do you have a personal prayer list? I confess to you, trying to keep up uh, uh, feed Belinda information for the church prayer list, trying to personally keep something up for myself. I can send you out an email and immediately I can say, Oh me, I forgot to transfer so-and-so from here to there and from there to here. And I did that this week uh, with a couple of names. I apologize beforehand. Why? Because they sort of run together. Now, with that in mind, the reality there of praying in faith. 
In Bristol, England, this is an illustration I read, I liked it. George Mueller operated an orphanage for 2,000 children. One evening, he became aware that there would be no breakfast for the next morning. Mueller called his workers together and explained the situation. Two or three prayed. Now that is sufficient, he said. Let us rise and praise God for the prayer answered. The next morning, they could not push open the great front door, so they went out to the back door and around to see what was keeping it shut. Stacked up, it says, uh, against the front door were boxes filled with food. One of the workers later remarked, We know not who sent the baskets, but we do not know who, or we know who sent the baskets, but we do not know who brought them. You remember Daniel made a little appeal a little earlier today about some food items? It's going to strike your fancy, isn't it? Whether it's peanut butter or saltine crackers, I'm not sure if he was specific. Praying faith. And then pray with fervency. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Verse 16, remember preface by confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Let me just tell you this, all sick people aren't in the hospital. All sick people are not just COVID patients. I am not diminishing that at all. Some of the, some of the greatest sickness is before us sometime in the Lord's house. Why? Sometimes it is a spiritual sickness that has greatly limited persons. Fervent prayer. I tried to really find resources that would help me understand what fervency was or is. Google.com, I found this, uh, this definition. Fervency is an intense, passionate feeling. The Latin root of this word means to boil or to glow. So when you experience an emotion so passionate that you feel like you're glowing, that's fervency. Again, it's an intense, passionate feeling likened to boiling or glowing. I believe I've met some prayer warriors in life and ministry who were fervent prayers. Almost you could see it in their face when you were in those prayer times. In Luke chapter 22, verse 44, it says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, being Jesus. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. I don't think I could find a greater illustration biblically of fervent prayer than Jesus. You can go home, you can look it up. 
You can talk to the physicians, nurses, and you'll find that what Jesus experienced is real. And yes, the Scripture tells us that in Gethsemane, before His crucifixion, the Defender's Bible by physician Luke says or quotes, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. There is a medical term for that happening. Now, I'm not believing, but I'm not limiting that that might not happen in your prayer life or mine. I'm satisfied, though, if we pray earnestly, if we not only pray earnestly, but also in faith, believing, and we do that with fervent,